Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Remarkably Us, the podcast. I'm your host, Shelly Roan, sober gal living in Southern California, navigating the ins and outs of life. After what we'll call the great breakdown of 2019, I have been on the search for the meaning of life. (laughs) I have been piecing together what it means to try to live a life remarkably. It's been a little bit. This year has been very challenging for me for a few reasons. So today I really want to talk about bittersweet and sorrow. And um, but before I do, I want to touch on what I have been, I've been having this conversation a lot with my PLP and my mom and, and people, you know, kind of really close to me that, God, why the fuck am I so tired all the time? Like, why am I, I've been feeling like I'm just, I'm not as creative as I was two years ago when I started this brand. And, and, you know, when I started doing this podcast and I feel like I've, you know, just like been losing a little bit of myself and what's going on. And Kira shared something with me the other day, like a, a, you know, something on Instagram that was basically like, I'm doing all of these, it listed out like a million things that all of us are doing all the time. Right. I'm, you know, I have a full-time job. I'm, you know, taking care of a family. I'm taking care of my mental health, my physical health. I'm trying to eat well. I'm trying to exercise. I'm, you know, trying to work this many hours and meet these deadlines and maintain relationships with my friend and maintain my romantic relationship and, you know, reach out to family members and be a good member of society. And I don't understand why I'm so tired. And, you know, it's like, well, no, fuck. (laughs) I'm so tired. And then also when I sit back and think, God, why can't I just jump back into things that I was doing a year or two ago? Well, things have changed as they are always changing. I love my routines. I am a fucking routine Nazi. I love my plans and I love control. I love the control that I often can somewhat have, but I realized over the last few months, really since the start of 2022, is that I can't assume that my life will look even remotely close to what it did two or three years ago. We have gone through, we've, we're, we're just ending two years of a pandemic. I mean, it's not completely over, but things are open. You don't have the kids don't have to wear masks at school anymore. Like you don't have to wear a mask, you know, really anywhere. It's just, but that was two years of our life. We have gone through two years of up and down and questions and uncertainty and and solitude and then coming back and solitude again and coming back. And it is unrealistic and completely ridiculous to think that you can come from that and all that the last two years has brought and just jump back in to what you were doing with a fucking smile on your face. It's just, no. When I first started this podcast and the brand and, and the blogs and the websites, I was in a very different place physically, mentally, emotionally. I was different. A few months ago, I took a book 
that I was writing that I started during quarantine that I was damn near done with. And I fucking tossed it. Not lit. I mean, I just like opened up a new tab <laughs> in my computer. I didn't like completely toss it. It's still there, but I, I tossed it. I was writing one day. I'm sitting in my tiny home. It had like kind of just gotten finished and I'm sitting there and I had written in my planner, like I was going to block off this big chunk of time to write. And, and I was exhausted trying to squeeze in, you know, my writing time. Cause I put it in my planner and I looked at my computer on my laptop that was sitting on my lap. And I thought, this is all wrong. This is all wrong. I'm different. I'm thinking about things differently. My life looks different. I now basically have three children and a platonic partner and I live in a tiny home and I'm working on this career, but what do I want? What do I want to say? What is important for me? I was burnt out, emotionally exhausted and overwhelmed by feelings that have just been swirling the last few years. So I started with a blank page and a fresh set of ideas. Not only that, but I started with a new mindset. I'm in a new home with a new life, a daily routine that looks completely different than it did two years ago, a new planner, a, the same story really to tell, but in a different way. I thought, duh, (laughs) that's that's what we're all doing. And that's the basis of this podcast and of my writings and of my books. It's to share my story, to share the things that I am going through as I go through them and to connect. And if that story changes, guess what? I have the ability to hit them with a plot twist whenever I feel like. So let's start over, shall we? One morning, I was getting ready and I was listening to a Brene Brown podcast. And she, so this is my morning routines. Now I'm like totally shifting, you know, what my mornings look like. But I really, really, I was just actually thinking about this this morning because I started working a little bit late. I slept in until really right before we had to get the kids up for school. So I didn't start like my morning routine until after we dropped them off for school. And then I, you know, started work after that. And I was sitting this morning thinking, God damn, I love these mornings. I love mornings. And I love that, that routine of getting started in the day and, and getting your creative juices flowing and, So anyway, so I'm getting ready one morning and I'm listening to this podcast. I love listening to podcasts first thing in the morning. It's when my mind is really, it's like my creativity is just like flowing first thing in the morning. And luckily I have the ability, unless I have meetings that start, you know, right at nine, I have the ability to start working a little bit later and just maybe work a little, you know, later in the day. So I'm listening to this podcast and Brene Brown had the author Susan Kanon, who wrote uh, Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking, and who just wrote the book um, Bittersweet. And 
they were talking about how sorrow and longing make us whole, which is is kind of the premise of her new book. And 15 minutes into this podcast, (laughs) I had my computer open and I was adding it. I was adding this into the book, Bittersweet and Sorrow. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I had never really heard someone speak about this in the way that she did. It's the the art of the word bittersweet it can transform what we think of as negative sadness into something beautiful. I mean, even in Aristotle's work um, in problems, he begins by asking, why is it that brilliance and achievement are associated with black bile and the diseases of melancholy? I mean, even back in Aristotle's time, you know, he was questioning why is it that that darkness and melancholy is so closely connected with brilliance? Why is it that I feel the most, I'm, I'm using joy, I'm like air quoting right now, that I feel the most joy, but, you know, in the most creative when I write and talk about like the most fucked up shit in my life, when I sit and talk about addiction and trauma and emotional neglect, why does that light up a fire in me and bring this sense of happiness, should I say, to the conversation? In her TED Talk, Susan Cain discusses that the reason we look to artists, painters, musicians in such high regard is because they touch that place that we long for, that other world that we crave. That feeling you get from a sad song or classical violin or a beautiful painting, a sad story or, um, or like a tragic movie the absolute beauty that comes from sitting on the couch and watching the rain fall from a dark sky, the feeling of bittersweet. The actual definition of bittersweet is pleasure accompanied by suffering or regret. And the two have been, I mean, the two pleasure and then suffering Obviously, you would never think to combine the two, but that's what it is. It's this longing. It's the it's that bittersweet feeling when you think about when you see a picture of you from you know uh, high school, laughing in the hallway with your friends, or when you think about your first love, or when you think about someone that has passed away. Neurologically. Uh, the vagus nerve is, and I'm, I know I've touched on this in previous episodes. I need to go through and shift through which one it was and bring that one back up. But the vagus nerve is connected to all the muscles that show our expressions on our face. It connects the brain stem to your throat and your abdomen. So you've got all of the muscles in your face, your throat and your abdomen, all connected to this uh, web of nerves, the vagus nerve. It developed over time 
so that we can show empathy to respond to our newborns. It all connects and it all comes from that place. The same place that you suffer is the same place you care, the same place you where compassion comes from. This is protecting our young and experiencing pleasure. This connects all of us and is the literal drive of our survival. In an interview with the New York Times, Susan Cain says that the fact that all humans have to go through that together, we're talking about right sorrow and is one of our deepest sources of communion and one of our deepest sources of art and beauty. She raises a point in this interview that a psychologist, Dr. Dasher Keltner, makes this point that we can base our survival on the ability to respond to the cries of our infants, but not necessarily just responding but to be empathetic towards that cry. And that that then can be extended to responding to other infants crying or other people, you know, in distress at all. That the connection, that compassionate connection is what drives us and what is the basis for our survival. I think that when we understand that pleasure, suffering, and regret can be intertwined, we can understand how this deeply connects us. I used to think that I was a very sad girl. (laughs) I mean, well, I mean, at times in my life, I have actually been very sad. My childhood was filled with longing. And I have always tried to I've always tried to put like a, put a a word on it. Right. And loneliness is usually the word that I go towards, but now I'm shifting and thinking that it is loneliness was part of my childhood, but I think that longing was a bigger part of it. This bittersweet feeling, this longing for something greater and bigger, because that is mixed with hopefulness and sadness. When I lost my father, I was filled with sorrow. And through my adult years, I have dealt with really dark periods. But each of these moments, I can distinctly remember a tinge of light. And now I know that to be this bittersweet feeling. (laughs) The paradox of tragedy. A sad song or a lullaby, a painting filled with darkness and grief, it brings emotions up that a simply happy moment just can't. Not that it is not great, right, to listen to happy pop music and and to, you know, laugh and to sing a, you know, really crazy, happy, upbeat, uplifting song and to have fun and and dance. And we often disregard these dark moments, right? These, these emotions of, of sorrow as, as something negative. We disregard them or hide them aside to put a smile on your face. 
I mean, this extreme positivity that, you know, we're in all the time, this culture of, you know, everyone just be happy, live in the moment, live in the present moment. It is, it's toxic. I mean, I have the, I'm extremely optimistic, but I can enjoy some deep melancholy. What we don't understand as often as we should is that it is that longing, the melancholy of life that brings creativity and belonging. I don't share only the happy moments. The fucking, the premise literally behind this podcast and and the book are the shit times in my life. The, The times where I had to pick myself up and figure it out. The moments and the lessons that have been really hard for me. The times that are the darkest, for me, are when my creativity is at its highest. Susan Cain has a quote that says, creativity has the power to look pain in the eye and turn it into something else. That upbeat tunes make us dance around our kitchens and invite friends for dinner, but sad music makes us want to touch the sky. Oh, so amazing. So get lost in once upon a time, once upon a December by, um, Emile Pandolfi or Beethoven's Sonata number 14, let your longing and feelings of bittersweet connect you to what you don't know. I think that's it. (laughs) I think that's all I wanted to say. So let it connect you and sit in the melancholy and revel in the beauty of a rainy day. All right. I think that's it. I'm back. (laughs) If you think that this episode would help anyone, please share. Please also Go listen to Brene Brown's podcast, um, Unlocking Us, her episode that she does with Susan Cain. Go get her book, um, Susan Cain's book, Bittersweet. Read it. Watch her TED Talks. Um, They're just so profound. And I think that it touches on something that we so often try to disregard, and that is, right, our sadness and our sorrow. If you think this episode would help, please share it. Be kind to yourself and please never forget how wildly capable you are. Till next time. Bye.